I'm Katie Wallace, and you're listening to The Dying Project. <laughs> we did this last year, too. It yeah. Hilarious. And then we, before we recorded the podcast, we talked for like 45 minutes, and I was like, wait, that would have made a really good podcast. <laughs> and then we had to actually record the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. That's it. This is it. We're, we're just, awesome. I just like to ramble on into them, and it just sort of works out somehow. So. Well, we're <laughs> You are one of my favorite humans. You're one of my best friends, but also one of my just teachers, like amazing teachers. And I know that anytime I come to you, you will never judge me for, or you won't judge me for how I show up in the conversation. You won't judge me for something that I've done. Um, and you don't ever take it personally. And I love that about you. I love like hearing what you're working on. Cause it's always like how you're going to help all these millions of people potentially billions of people. And um, yeah, so I said I wasn't going to give an intro, but I just did. <laughs> All I can say to that, Katie Wallace, is ditto. <laughs> so thank you for being such an amazing, epic human. I love you. Yes. So <laughs> it's been a weird year. It's been a weird, wild year. Tell me about it. Right? <laughs> what, what, has, what has been the most we're going to, I want, like, obviously I want two sides to this, but we're going to start with the most painful part of this year. What has yeah. been the most painful part for you this year? Oh man, that's a, that's a deep one right from the gates. Um, well, I had one of my closest friends in the world almost die from COVID after being diagnosed with blood cancer. So that was a journey that took me to some of the darker places of my soul to kind of watch a human that I knew and respected so much, you know, navigate 20,000 projects a day and go from that to basically like fight for doing three things, breathing, eating and living. Right. So, I mean, that brought me real, real, <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it got me right at the beginning because this was like right at the onset when COVID was really, really new and not a lot of people knew a lot about it. Um, so I think having that as my first experience out of the gates just set me on a whole different perspective category, right? With like really kind of taking a serious look at what this means. And it also shot me back to center because right after that, obviously I, I took a break from everything um, to be there for my friend. And so, yeah, <laughs> so I took a break from my business. And when you take a break from your business, you know, <laughs> things don't move, so you don't get paid, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was right before everything started shutting down and locking down. And yeah, and, and I think having that as my opener to this year made me realize that everything that we do here has to be in my perspective from a place of meaning. So I think having that experience shot me into the mode of what am I doing again? Why am I, why did I create the passion center for? What have I gone off track? Where have I gone off track and how can I realign to center? And it's interesting because as dark as that place was, I also felt this humbling connection to all of these people around the world that also equally didn't know what the hell this thing was 
and was losing people left, right, and center, and not only losing them, but wasn't able to be there physically for them. Like that was torturous, right? To know that we're here for human connection and touch and we're designed for that stuff and to know that, you know, people were dying in these, um, you know, really isolated ways, just, it really pulled on my heartstrings, you know? That and the, the economic, you know, fallout that's, that's been going on, it's been, it's been rough. So that, uh, you know what they say, right? When you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So it, it really went from, you know, that to almost slingshotting me back to alignment. You know, how fortunately survived that. And not only did he survive it, but it also set a fire in him on his mission and his journey as well. And, you know, both of us have had thousands of deep dives on on what this is and how this is and how this is affecting us and we just know that it's time that we show up right um and so yeah for the rest of this year i've just been showing up mm. straight up just been showing up yeah i was so glad to hear that you know it it kind of like because it, it looked really dark right whenever you know everything was going on with him so i'm so glad that it kind of turned around because i know for a lot of people it didn't go that way, right? It didn't. Um, it didn't. And so, yeah, just like super grateful for you guys are just grateful because you're two amazing humans that like, I don't like think that, that you took that experience and then you did something different, right? Or you were like, so that other people don't have to experience it. Um, and not necessarily just the COVID thing, but um, just kind of that whole experience in general. Well, okay. So what were, you said you had kind of gotten off course and that this like helped you get back on course, but what were some of the ways that you had gotten off course that you recognize? So when you're, when you first started as an entrepreneur, um, there's a, there's no shortage of ideas that circulates you. That's in your circle, right? At my tribe is amazing. I've got a ton of also entrepreneurs that are doing crazy cool things in the world. And um, and I think I struggled for a little bit with, um, I knew I have, I had a vision and I know exactly what that vision is and how it looks, but when you're starting out, it looks radically different than the end goal you're trying to achieve. So you're trying out all of these different styles to figure out what is the best route to get to this big end vision of yours. Right. And so I think I overtried, like I overtried in all of these different capacities. I collaborated with all these different projects and I met all these different people, went to all of these different events. And like, I was just, I was just not going anywhere. It was almost like I was a ha on a hamster wheel, just running, 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 running. But my business wasn't moving. And I was just getting super frustrated with that, uh, with that entire process, you know? And so I pivoted, pivoted, pivoted. And I think when everything stopped for me on that dead halt back in, you know, late February, March, um, it was just this big call to go within again, which is the same thing I preach, right? So mirror, mirror. <laughs> so, it always happens like that. You're like, shit, this is what I'm talking about every day. Every day. So I literally sat down um, and in some of my darkest moments, it was like doing that real, you know, dark night of the soul thing where you're going in and you're just saying, what am I doing this for again? What is what is my guiding compass here? And, uh, 
And what I realized was, yes, it's about passion, but it was about really getting a clear understanding and, and, uh, and getting the resources and tools to help people understand what passion actually is because we've kind of globally lost our compass on this topic, right? Like when things are overused in this way and overstated, we it, it becomes dumbed down to a point where it's barely recognizable and you have people saying, you know, follow your passion, don't follow your passion, this and that. And it's, it becomes just this circular conversation. And I was like, that's not even what it's about. Like, it's not even what it's about. So before Hal got sick, um, him and I was working on a project called Passion Health. And it was something that I had started two years ago, actually, is just a quiz, really, to get an understanding of what people and how people were feeling in a tangible way. Because as you know, you know, these words, they're not exactly tangible. So it's our best guess syndrome of, of what it is. Um, anyways, I, I teamed up with him and, um, and I put together this list of 15 indicators um, that define, or my best guesses as what, as what defined passion. And then at the end of it, we asked the question, you know, how passionate do you feel about X, right? Which is what they were asked, answering the survey on anyway. And uh, we took that into a school in the U.S., in, a, um, in New York, actually, in, 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 a, in a lower socioeconomic area. And we asked kids and we asked teachers. We got about 400 applicants at the end of it, 350 students, 50, you know, teachers and staff. And what we were able to see from the results were two things that were really important. Number one, all of those 15 indicators when averaged out, they averaged out to be 99.1% accurate when it came to, to, um, to testing somebody's subjective experience of passion. So that was like, woo, all right, cool. it's your passion now. Awesome. And it's not about passion, just like I thought. And then after that, and... And then, and then after that, what we, what we discovered was that the, the kids and the teachers with a higher passion health score were having better grades, better attendance, better performance, which is, you know, to me, it's, it's no shit. If you're more passionate, then you're going to do better. But that's not entirely obvious. And we are so data driven in our culture. So it's like we need, we need these tests for everybody to be like, oh, okay, there's truth here. Um, so then the third question was, are people doing better because they're passionate or are they passionate because they're doing better? Because that was always the paradox from before. Well, it turns out because of these 15 indicators and how they influence someone's subjective experience of passion, it turns out that people are actually doing better because they're passionate. So I'm, I, was, I got really excited about that and that slingshotted me right back. And I'm like, yes, this feels like this is what I'm doing this for. Like, it's really about breaking these things down so that we get an understanding of ourselves much better. And what we find when we understand ourselves much better is that our social intelligence is so important for moving humanity forward. And right now we are so socially dumb. Like we just don't know about ourselves and each other in the way that we need to in order to combat a lot of what's happening in this 21st century. And the more I see, huh, the more I see debates going on like they are right now, obviously we're in a political climate, um, 
the more frustrated I become because I know that if we were given assembly of information um, that are that are you know in in some way or another that are quote unquote being used against us or for our um, changes of behavior inside of the political domains and the corporate domains, then we would we would have a chance, right? And like, and right now I just don't, I just don't see that. So yeah, so that's just stirred in such a, such a huge why for me in, in, in why I want to really turn this forward. You just said a lot there. And I, I think I have like five uh, yeah. questions that I'm going to try to remember, but like the number first I wanted to point out and just say that, yes, it is incredibly frustrating and how polarized this, this whole, like just the world seems to have gotten, like, especially here in the States and like you're in Canada. Um, so you're just like looking down on us, like, hello. Not looking, but looking at you guys. Yeah. Sure. Well, kind of, um, you know, on the map, you would technically be like looking down. On us. Um, we are north. From Toronto. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like what a weird, what a weird world when we are putting politics above our family or putting politics above our relationships with our friends. Like what good does that do us? Like when whatever, everything becomes so polarized that we can't even have objective conversations with the people that we love the most. Like that's a really scary place to be. And, and it just, it, I don't understand that. Um, like actually I do understand it, but uh, I just, I don't agree or align with it. Um, so real quick, will you just, what is passion? Okay, so so passion in a very simple way, there's, there's two forms um, of passion, right? So the first form is the passion that we have for our subjects and our things and so forth. So that in the most simplest form, formula I can come up with is meaning times investment. It's doing the things that are meaningful to you that creates the feel-good emotions such as passion. And there's a whole neurochemical reason for why that is that I will not go into, not the right channel for that, uh -huh. but, it's, but, it, but it's, about, it's about identifying meaning. And if, there's, if there is a gap in, in the world today, we have a meaning gap. And that is what's exacerbating the passion gap. Mm. Holy cannoli. So is it like, it's just like moving towards what energizes you? Is that like, is it like for people who aren't maybe? Oh. Well, think, think about it this way, right? Like nature created a reward system for us to get out there and do work. Mm. Nature did that, yeah. right? Like the fact that I feel good and energized about doing some things is a huge internal compass that's guiding you to do more of that thing. Mm -hmm. But instead we're taught to not go after that thing and to do all of these other things. Mm. And it's yeah. like, why do we have a society that moves us away from ourselves? That's the first question I wanna ask. Mm. It's a great right? question. Why, why do we, why do we, it seems almost like, it seems like it's by design, right? That we have this system in which like people are so just like doing these like meaningless tasks, tasks every day, right? Just to survive. Um, 
it seems like it's by design and I don't want to like, I'm not, you know, a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but shit. (laughs) So a lot, a lot of this stems because we are now in a very different time than we were before, right? The way that we evolve is a very slow process. Um, Even though there's cultural adaptations that happen quickly, biologically, we evolve very slowly. And if you look at you know, where we've been over the past 150 years, this is what so many people are quoting on because that was the start of the industrial revolution. That was the change into what we know as modern day society, right? Mm -hmm. But back then it was designed so that we could protect the economy because the economy was essential for us to experience growth and the kind of comforts that we have today. That has evolved on its own trajectory, but our systems that have been in place from the birth of that hasn't evolved by much. When you take a look at the education system, when you take a look at churches, all of those were huge back back in in that time period. And they were there for one reason. It was to take, or at least the education system, which is what I really like to focus on, it, it was to take a large sum of people, the masses, to move into a system like an assembly line, to move out to be producers in the world. Mm -hmm. And that was a high value. People actually wanted that because it juxtapositioned what the life was like before that, which was a ton harder than we know it to be today. So everything is compounded, right? So everything happens in a certain trajectory, but we forget because we only have this small period of time that we that we're acclimatized to that we know about the challenge is that as this was navigating and because the systems didn't really change now we're at a point in time where we're experiencing larger amount of comforts than ever before so what we have now is adopted this working mentality and this getting the masses through the system mentality from 150 years ago when, but we're not quickly adapting to what the needs of the 21st century is today, which is functioning more like an individualistic model, right? So we're going from Ford, from Ford, we're going from Ford to the, we're going from the Ford model to the Starbucks model. That's mm. what we're doing. But business and industry are huge bureaucracies. So they take a lot slower to transition into these models. And not only that, but again, we still have this priority of protecting the economy over everything else. So it's a Mm -hmm. dysfunctional system we've created. We haven't created the balance of economy and people, even though people is what it takes to drive the economy, which is the weirdest thing. Now we hear a lot of talk about it, but, and again, there are some movements, but movements are slow in large bureaucratic systems. Now add in the layer of government and the layer of how we keep society functioning in order and you have the complex mixture that keeps us in place even though our thoughts might be evolving a lot rapidly than our systems currently are. Mm. So that's, that's, I think, my assessment of why we're here. Yeah. And there is interest in keeping us here because again, we can control massive amounts of people if we have systems and structures in place. That's not a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. We do want to have some amount of order because chaos can look very different 
And we're about to see what that looks like, I think, over the next five to 10 years. I like, it's a scary thought, but I really feel like we're there. Because going back to, because I wanna, I wanna actually go back to your original statement um, with the polarization that's happening in the States. And this is something actually that hit me pretty hard this year. Um, and so I went into my research mode and really what's happening is like your country has created a this, an us versus them kind of mentality, right? And a we- war mentality. Right? War and we are, the, we are the smart ones. We are the good ones. We are the God-fearing ones. We are the blah, blah, blah. And they are the evil ones. And the problem with that kind of propaganda, which is being actively promoted on so many different forms of social channels, and even the news now, which is so alarming to me and dangerous, is that what you're seeing is a repetition of what happened right before World War II. A complete repetition, a complete breakdown of society. And make no mistake, there are many other hands involved in the bucket in order to create a destabilization of a society. And when you, destab when you destabilize a society by creating that hyperpolarization, then you break down a society. And the only way to change society is when one society breaks. So you have no idea who's funneling in those those changes, when I say who, I'm not saying there's one person in particular, but there's a lot of leadership models and some very, and some very intelligent folks out there that know how to break down societies. And it's always towards a certain goal or a certain agenda. And while everybody's fighting, nobody's listening to what that agenda might be. And that's what's, that's, that's what's really breaking my heart right now to see the whole thing unfold the way that it is. It's, it's disheartening. Yeah. Do you think that it could have, like, do you think the changes that we need to see as far as, like, we'll just say, you know, here in the U.S. or even globally, just as a whole, do you think they could happen any other way? Do you know what I mean? Like, is this, are we, aren't we kind of on, on the, the right trajectory to get to the place that we need to get, right? Like, it has to get really bad. We talked earlier about, like, hitting rock bottom, like, kind of as a society, as a civilization, we are yeah. going to hit, hit this rock bottom. Um, but it seems like, we're the, what's the other way? We're in the midst of an era of change. There, there, there is definitely hints of there being, of us being in the middle of an era change, right? And there are so many things that are pointing to that. I don't think it can happen any other way. But what's scarier about this model than any other time period before is, how much access global leaders have in terms of personal data mm, and yes. how much influence that that can be that can that could um that can have in terms of swaying people's opinions one way or another that's the dangerous part mm -hmm. um and yes things are gonna break in in life things are gonna break in in evolution that's that's how it happens that's how it's always happened that's how it's always going to happen my question is how how can we best prepare ourselves individually so that we can be grounded in our own position and we don't exacerbate the break right mm -hmm. and 
and how can we as a society become more intelligent as a people become more intelligent so that we're not just like leaves blowing in the wind on someone else's mandate right mm, yeah so we don't want to come at this from when things do break we don't want to come to it come back at it from a place of fear because the fear is what has caused us to go along with you know the the plans and the breakdown whatever i don't know what i don't know exactly what the plans would be but that's kind of how we've arrived to this position right is like by giving our power over because we're coming from a place of fear in behavioral economics the one thing that is the most um compelling to change and to change human behavior and to move them in a direction has always been the fear model, the fear or the uh, or the lack model, right? You don't mm -hmm. have and you want this, right? So, so it is really important for us to get on the front end of our own emotions as we're navigating down this process and learn about what fear means and understand what's true and what's not true. It's alarming just, I mean, like this is a whole other conversation, but it's just alarming how much opinions people have these days um, with, without, without the right type of facts to kind of put a more informed society, you know, moving out. But that's a whole- <laughs> Do you have any specific <laughs> examples? Any specific examples no, that you'd like to point to? Many <laughs> Okay, so okay, how how are you helping people? Because I know that this is this is your shtick, right? Like this is not your shtick. This is what you do. Like this is what you're amazing at. Like, and you're not driven by any sort of like you're so objective about things um, in the best way possible to help people move forward. So how are you doing that? How are you like helping people pre prepare for that? So I've created currently five different programs to target five different types of outcomes, right? My big thing is I want to see more people um, raising their love vibration in their, in their own life, because that's the thing that increases things like trust, which is the enemy of fear. It's the thing that gets us to really go through the deeper, darker things that we need to in order to come out clear on the other side. There's just no better recipe for that. So I want to change the relationship that we're having with how we work um, and turn that into more of our opportunity to, to carry out our meaningful expressions in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's, that's kind of inducing people's hero's journey when you kind of focus on that model. Focus on the things we can control versus the things we can't. So that's really that's really the motto that I go by when it comes to the programs of the Passion Center. But there is one program that I built this year that I'm super excited about, and it actually came from the learnings and the lessons of this year. And it's a program called Unblocked. And Unblocked, so exciting, <laughs> right? yeah. When there's, when there's a lot of, of turmoil happening in our environments and when there's a lot of uncertainty happening in our environments people tend to freeze up they don't want to make any risk they don't want to make any moves they want to kind of be observing so so that's actually that's one brand of what people do the other brand is people can get really anxious and really depressed and really you know fear burden um, so I wanted to I wanted to combine 
what I've learned about the human psyche and how we behave and give that as a process to people to undergo so that they can start decoding the stuff that's happening within them. Because when there's so much change happening around us, if we start focusing on the external things, we'll break down internally. But if we can focus on the internal things, then we can piece together the external, right? If we can make the external make sense. So really it's that call to like go within, but in a, in a structured way so that people know that like, you know, there's, these are tangible things that you can go through and it's not this, you know, flaky kind of sit down and, and just think it through. There is a process, right? Um, so, so yeah, I've been, I've been doing that a ton with, with clients this year and I'm so proud of what they've been able to accomplish in these times, right? Like you would say, a lot of people would say that these are not the right times to be making risky job moves or going after your dreams. But yet that's all I do with my clients all day. So I think I, this is the best time. I would I actually, argue this is, um, yeah. yeah, this is the best time. This is the best time, totally. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I'm addressing some of the challenges in my own way. Yeah. So I love the work that you do um, just because, you know, even before I knew anything about just like the psychology of what it is to be human and human behavior. And um, I loved like the woo woo stuff, but I didn't know why I liked the woo woo stuff. You know what I mean? And I yeah. love what you do is like you, it's just, you know, the science behind everything. Every time I talk to you, we have like an hour plus long conversation about, you know, what's going on and like the newest findings that you've had and everything that you've been reading. And like, I love it. So I learned so much from our calls and like, um, I did want to like take it over kind of to just like more personal experiences though, real quick. Like what are the dark moments that led you to want to do this for people? Um, like the passion center work. Yeah. To, yeah. Just to what, like what led you here? Right. Cause usually it's like dark, dark. It's not just like, Oh, we just have some amazing insight from, dark. yeah, it's usually dark. Right. <laughs> What I've seen is that your pain becomes your purpose 100% of the time, right? Um, and for me, um, I struggled a lot with trying to understand what I'd wanted to do when I was younger. Um, I was I was in a fire when I was younger, which helped which moved moved my parents from Trinidad to here, and. Um, and, you know, I saw a lot of adversity with them. I saw them having to give up careers that they loved to work in places that were not great, um, just so that we could have a life for ourselves, right? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a completely unique immigrant story. <laughs> um, that's what most immigrants go through, right? Um, and I think seeing my parents lose everything to rebuild showed me, number one, that rebuilding was possible. So I always had the mindset that no matter what happened in my life, I could always figure it out and move it out in the world. The second thing that led me there is I grew up in the corporate space. Um, I did not go to school. Um, and it's not that it's not that I had anything against it. It was just not in my cards. Um, my parents had a lot of financial problems growing up and I had to work really, really early on to help them um, and myself <laughs> really kind of navigate this thing called life. So the corporation raised me, I guess, and it taught me how to 
persevere, how to tough it out. It taught me my work ethic. It taught me a lot of things, but it also broke me in a lot of different ways as well. Um, I had seen many toxic environments. I had seen, you know, a lot of the masculinized energy of like, just tough it out, the hustle culture, like all of that stuff was ingrained in me like that was who i was and then that led me to eventually being sick twice not once because you never not learn your lesson the first time mm -mm. um it it got me sick twice i had a few autoimmune stuff that had popped up that was super scary and it led me down a path of really trying to understand what went wrong um because <laughs> you know it, it sounds horrible to say but when i first had it I was so mad at my body. I was like, what are you doing? Like, we got work to do. Why do you gotta be like this, right? Um, <laughs> that was such the wrong approach. But the second time, I feel like that's when I learned how to be a lot more compassionate. That's when I started to understand that there were things I was doing that was not healthy. There was things that were in my environment that was not healthy. Um, it was actually quite toxic. Um, and, you know, that revelation for me was was the was the catalyst to my path because it made me go deeper than anything I've ever gone through in my life, right? But that's what happens when your when your body is compromised or your life is compromised, you are forced to to do some some major things, right? So I took my type A personality and instead of looking at it on the exterior, I turned it on the interior. Doctors didn't know what the hell it was. And I was like, that's fine. I'll figure it out myself. I went through 15 different modalities. I probably spent about 45,000 in Canada of all places mm. on my health Damn. <laughs> because the medical world um, just wasn't cutting it, right? So I had to identify different things. And, and when I started to, um, I guess, go down that path, there were so many things that I learned that I just, I was shocked. I was like, how did I not know this about myself? How did I not know this about my body? How did I not know this about my mindset? Like, what was wrong, you know? And, and then I started doing even more studies uh, that went beyond just me. And I started seeing that I was not a unique case, that there were so many people that were struggling to keep up in this, in this corporate culture that we've created. Um, and it's, it's creating a lot of sickness, a lot of sickness. In Japan, there's a word well, there's an actual word that they have in their dictionary now that means work to death. And these are young people. These are people that are 24, 34, dying of organ failures because they're just working to death, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that's, that's really what the Passion Center is about. It's the better way to do this. Mm. I, yeah. So I think that so it sounds like what you did was take your power back. You turned yourself into a science experiment and totally. took your power back. I'm a big proponent Everything of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, like you honestly, like you have to turn life into a science experiment because for the most part, like we don't know what the fuck is going on, you know? And especially when it comes to our health and I've, I've had the same experience, right? Where, you know, yes. shit kept happening. I kept getting sick. I didn't know why, right? And doctors are always just treating symptoms of the root thing, right? Like I was talking to someone else about this, about how cancer isn't necessarily the root of a, of like the root of a, that's the, can, I would look at cancer more like a symptom, right? Because like there's all these factors that are coming together to, to allow yeah. that cancer to survive. And yeah. 
Yeah. And so it's, and that's the case with so many sicknesses, right. Or so many illnesses like that's, and I feel like that's something that is just completely overlooked and uh, it's very frustrating for me. I love that you did take your power back um, so that you could um, Mm -hmm. talk about this and help other people through, through similar experiences or so that they never have to experience that in the first place. Right. Yeah. Totally. And, and you know, the, the biggest revel, like the biggest realization for me was when I came across blue zones. Like I talk about them, I over talk Mm. about them, but I want to over talk about them because they're so important. They should be our standard. They really should be our standard. Talk about blue zones. Yeah. Those of you who don't know what blue zones are, they are pockets of people in society. There's about seven or eight cultures of them and, um, and they're, they're all around the world. And they're people that not only live to be centurions, but they are kicking our Western ass when it comes to health. Like I'm talking, they're 98, 100 years old, still working, still farming the fields, still doing whatever it is that they're doing in a very healthy way. And what they discovered was that really, okay, so when you're talking about sickness like Alzheimer's, cancer, um, or any other terminal illness, on in, from a blue zone perspective, we really only should have like 2% of the population that would experience that. So why do we have so many? And the reason for that is that the, I, is that the values that the blue zones carry, they call it the power of nine, which is basically nine characteristics that every blue zone, whether they're in Okinawa, Japan, or Sardinia, Italy, they all incorporate in their cultures in some way. And when you look at their values, and when you look at the North American or the Western values, they're the inverse. We have inverse the system. So that's why we're experiencing sicker lives, right? We live in a first world country where we pride ourselves and say that we're living to be, you know, we're, we're living older lives and, we're, and we, we praise Western medicine and all of this kind of stuff, which is great. Western medicine has done a lot for our communities and our culture, but we're not, we're not exposing the dark, dark secret, which is that Western medicine is the only thing that's keeping our population alive right now, right? Like mm. we are living longer, but we're living longer, sicker, and we're spending money mm. on medicine, whereas blue zones aren't. So what are they doing that's different? Well, not only is it their diet and their exercise, but just to be clear, not all of them have the same kind of diet regime or, or exercise regime, and they're still kicking their ass in health. The majority of it is the things that we've forgotten, right? It's community, it's trust-based relationships, it's it's like relaxing our nervous system so our bodies can heal instead of being in fight or flight all the time, um, which is very disruptive to the body and it causes a lot of wear and tear and it's a reason why our bodies are so vulnerable to getting things like cancer and all of the sicknesses that are Western sicknesses. And like, and the other part of this is they believe in something higher than themselves. They have faith-based communities. They believe in something. Like we've lost our beliefs so that we could just focus on, well, science has become the new belief mm. in Western, Western culture, right? It's like, show me the proof, show me the data. I don't want to trust. So there's a lot of things that we've got to really correct in order for us to get back to a state where we're thriving as a population again. But like, I want to see that happen in my generation and maybe it's far flesh, but I want to fucking see it. So I'm just, <laughs> I want to fucking you know, see it too. I you know? want to fucking see it. So I, I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out how we could fucking see it. Like that's, that's, that's a mission I'm married to for sure. 
<laughs> how do you, okay. So how do you balance that though? Right. Cause like I had to, I had to kind of bow out from the, the entrepreneur world, you know, I'm yeah. like the, the, I'm sorry, not the entrepreneur world. I love that. I love that game. Um, but <laughs> the the whole like wanting to build a something bigger than me right like a company and like yeah, you know, yeah. I don't I just I don't like being responsible for for having to pay people like I that's not like a, a burden yeah, yeah, or a yeah. load that I I can carry without losing my fucking mind and so like kudos to all the people who can do that I think you're one of them um but so I'm opting for you know um Pura Vida, like simple life um, but how do you, how do you balance that? You can't, <laughs> and it's not the greatest, it's not the greatest way to say it, but no, um, I think it's about integration, right? Um, it's not really like, like balance is, balance is hard, but it's be, oh my God, this is such a hard question. Balance for me, it's like, that's mastery status. And I don't think I'm a master yet. Like, so I'm not able to, to properly balance my world. I'm a lot better than I used to be when I was in corporate in the sense that I now have these things called values and these things called boundaries that I never had before. Um, and those help me to say no to things when they're outside of, of my, of, of my buckets, right? which is huge. It's like life-changing when you learn, like really get that message. Um, and you know, I, I have a, an amazing husband and I got some really dope friends like you, right? So hey. I, it was important to me to make time and spend time with the people that I love. Like that's, that's a high priority. And the other priority of mine is my spiritual connection, you know, and, and, and meditating and being in nature and all of those things. So this summer, for example, I, I was like sailing every weekend. Right. Um, but it's because of how it's, it's because I, I needed, I needed the replenishing, right? Like I needed to fill myself so that I can go out there and actually like tackle the other stuff. I'll say this, like I'm, I think that everyone just needs to flow to what they believe they're here to do. And that can look like, you know, being, being in more of that slowdown so that your nervous system can really get to that and you can be more impactful in the things that you cho choose to do. I've happened to, cho to choose, well, I don't know that I chose this mission. I think this mission kind of chose me, but, um, but I'm, it's something I'm really passionate about and I want to see, I want to see it come. So there are things that I do that I don't entirely enjoy. Um, but it's because I'm so passionate about what's, what's at the end, you know, and, and I screw up just like everyone else. And like, I don't get it right. And I'm a hot mess 90% of the time. Like it, it's, it's not a perfect system, but again, I have a deep reason for why. And I, and I just, I'm so sick and tired of having society let me down or leaders let me down or, other people let me down. So I'm like, fuck it. Like, I'm going to figure this out. And if it takes me 25 years of my whole life to do it, fine. It takes me 25 years of my whole life to do it, but I'm going to fucking do it. And like, it's either, you know, so that's, that's kind of where my stance is on that. Um, but everybody, but, but here's, uh, here's, here's where it gets like, here, here's where, where it gets me because I say that, but I also don't, 
want this to be the thing that everyone feels they need to do or they hate themselves for not doing what I'm doing because that's not the right approach either. Like we need diversity in order to make this engine go. And there's so much value that people have in different ways, doing different things. So I never want to shun any of that either. Like we all have a part to play in this. Um, so, you know, yeah. So I just, I just feel like everyone needs to just own their part as long as they're making a decision and it's not this lukewarm or this, I don't care. As long as we're making a decision, we're doing good. Hmm. It's like, it's like, um, it's the myth of balance, right? Cause <laughs> you're never going to be perfectly balanced. Like you're always like going one way and then you're trying, you're the course correcting and you're a little too far this way. And uh, I mean, it's like that with, with nature too, right? It's like, it's never just completely balanced. There's all these other forces. My that are like acting. Yes, exactly. So it's like, you are like caught in this, um, sorry, I don't know what's happening back here. And there we go. Um, <laughs> it's like, um, what? is this still, okay, sorry, sorry. I'm losing it. <laughs> okay. um, but it's like this fine, just, it's, the balance is doing the dance of learning how to love life right now, right now in this exact moment, but also yeah. having like the vision to know that like to, to grow and to be better, right? Like just because yeah. you love life right now doesn't mean that it can't be better, but it's also not like you're accepting everything exactly as it as is. They are. Yes, yeah. but knowing like, that it could be better and working towards that. The funny thing is, is that life life evolves. That's, that's what we're here for. So, so this moment's forever going to change. Like right now, I really love this moment. Like I do, but I also know that next year's moment isn't going to be this year's moment. And that's okay because you, you've got to kind of move in the different moments in life and learn how to accept and really nurture where you're at and be okay with where you're at. But yeah, but have the foresight to know that if you want better, better is always possible. And no matter how high you are, there's always higher, but you can't fixate on that because that's where we lose the opportunity to enjoy where we are now. And when we lose, when we lose the opportunity to enjoy where we are right now, then we're failing ourselves, right? Because mm -hmm. life is about now, not tomorrow, not yesterday. It's about right now and it's happening right now. So so yeah, like I love, I love your distinction there because you're right. Like, like, like balance is where you want to try to get to so that you feel like you're nurtured in all ways, but that's a journey. Um, mm -hmm. And that's an everyday thing. And that's a now thing because there is no such thing as a perfect balanced situation. It's just, that's, that's the, that's the ideal that humans love to create. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Can we talk a little bit about boundaries and some boundaries that you yeah, we can. have had to set? Because I agree that has been the most powerful thing for me within the past, I'll say year. And even like, you know, I started to use my voice a little more with setting boundaries last year, yeah. but this year yeah. it's like, total, like, nope, like this is, this is just what it Good is. This is what I, this is what I want. This is what I need. And it just opens you yeah. up and you just move so yeah. much closer to who you are and you just feel like, and I think that's so hard for people because probably most of our lives and growing up, like people have just trampled all over what we tried to voice as what we wanted. And so we made ourselves smaller. Yeah. So yeah. what are the yeah. boundaries you've been setting? 
So before I before I do my own boundary set, I want to add to that a little bit because um, because again, I, I feel like we're always we're always one generation behind, right? Like we because we're because as adults, we're always living in our child mind because that's where we were actually trained. So the most of our adult life, it's like it's about unlearning all of those things so that we can we can figure out the stuff that, that's actually real. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you for clarifying so, that because yes, that's important for people to know. Yeah, and I and I think that that boundaries exercise self-power, right? So boundaries are our exercising of self-power. And the more self-power we have, the greater things we can do and the greater moves we can make and the bolder moves we can make and life favors the bold 100% of the time. Just stepping out there and getting out there is really what it's about. I had a huge problem with boundaries when I was younger because I was bullied for like most of my youth, right? Moving from Trinidad to Canada, being white with a thick Trini accent and like thick pink glasses doesn't do anyone justice when you're up in this world, right? Um, but, but so, so I was taught or my little child's mind was taught that if I spoke out, I would be a target, right? So I had to learn how to not exercise my voice. That was very different in corporate. I went to the other extreme. All I did was exercise my voice. I was in sales of all things, right? It's like the perfect situations for life to get you through your lessons. Um, so I went through a little bit of a pendulum swing. Coming back to where I am right now was a really scary place because it was about seeing what was the the balance in the boundaries that I was creating. Um, and the one thing that I've learned is that self-power isn't like power in the, um, in the worldly sense. Self-power is like your executed power from God. Like it's, it's, it's like God's source energy that you get to use. And what we do and what we've been taught to do in, in society is to give away all of our God power, right? So just like give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Um, until we have nothing left. And then how are we going to do anything in this world? We got nothing left, right? So I've learned that the trick is you got to keep your own power and you have to stand in your place of power and give from your place of power, not give your power away. They're two very, very, very different things. And so one of the boundaries that I've really been playing around with, with for my business is my pricing boundary right? Mm. So there's like, and this is the hardest thing to do, but as an entrepreneur, by the way, someone once told me that entrepreneurship was just, a, was just um, a, like a universal joke for spiritual enlightenment. And it totally is because entrepreneurship will make you confront every fucking thing that you have to confront about yourself in order um, to move forward. True. And if you don't confront it, your business suffers. Like mm -hmm. it's just, that's just how it works. So, so for me, it was like in this beginning, you go through this really weird thing about your pricing, right? Because I am the product. My programs are the product. I've created my programs. So there's this huge value thing that, that needed to be worked through. So that's something that I've committed to. I used to do a lot of pro bono work. 2021, zero. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's all about, it's all about the payment. Um, the, the next boundary that I think I had to learn was 
who to collaborate with and who to not collaborate with. In the beginning, I wanted to just collaborate with everybody because I was like, oh my God, everyone's doing so many cool things. But then learning what matters to you and, and what your vision is all about, it's, it's also about not compromising your vision, right? For anyone or anything, no matter how much you love and adore them, no matter how much you like them, it's like you've got to stay true in that essence in order for it to go because I have a bigger responsibility. It's not just me anymore, it's my business, right? Um, and then I think the third boundary was when it came to working and my relationship. So that was always a little bit of a contention because like I'd be on my phone in the house or spending time with my family or spending time with, with Mark and, and you know, I've, I'm learning, I'm not perfect at this yet, but I'm learning how to just be fully present to the people that deserve my presence in the moment and not be scattered about that, you know, have buckets of time to say, this is my time bucket for doing this. And if anything encroaches on that time bucket, there's no exceptions. I was always the one that would see a lot of color. I'm not a very black and white person, but I've learned that with boundaries, you've got to be black and white about certain things. Not everything, but limits help you to become unlimited. So it's like, you've got to be able to, you, you have to be able to um, appreciate the polarity paradox in that and really form your limits so that you can, you can expand or, or do the things that you want to. Mm, yes. Thank you for sharing all those boundaries with us. I dig it. Yeah. It's like when I, when I started to hear people. What are some of your boundaries there, Katie? Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Well, let's see. I think probably one of the biggest ones is just who I give my time and energy to. And if something feels off in an interaction that I don't have to continue to stay in that interaction, like I can, and I can explore it, but you also know when something's off and that you don't really want to continue to expose yourself to that. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to go too far into it because I, you know, I don't know who listens to this podcast, but, um, there've been interactions where here recently that I've, just had to be like, Hey, um, like I'm, I'm going to leave because, um, I just like, I no longer feel comfortable in this situation. Um, and I just like, don't feel like we're kind of aligned on a lot of things. And it's not that I'm not open to hearing particular, um, like different views or different world experiences, but I also know when something's draining me and, um, I just don't have to do it. I don't have to like continue to subject myself to it because I'm trying to be polite or I'm trying to do this or I'm trying to do that. Same thing with like oh. being, being on the phone with people and stuff like that. Like, uh, I'm getting off the phone because I don't want to be on the phone anymore, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Little things like that. And like, it's cool because people, for the most part, don't take it personally. They're just like, man, I actually get that. Like, I get that. Thank you for <laughs> setting that boundary, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I love mean, that too, they, because like, the more you express your boundary, you're actually teaching other people how to select theirs right? Mm -hmm. I've had people give me some sharp boundaries in the past where it's almost jarring and you're like, oh shit. Mm -hmm. But then after you're like, oh my God, so you're allowed to do that. So I am too. Oh yeah. I didn't even (laughs) think about questioning that. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Right. Like when I would see people, like if like someone would in a group message or something, like be like, hey, everybody like want to go to dinner. And then someone would just be like, no, I don't. And I would just be like, whoa, that's awesome. Like they didn't have to give a reason. They didn't have to do fucking anything. They just didn't want to go and they said they didn't want to go. 
Like, yeah. yeah, it's a very powerful thing. And I think we just like, again, we come from this sort of like polite society, which underneath there's like all this fucking like content, like just, oh, God, yeah. just contempt and, and everything. And nobody's like actually communicating what they really want. And uh, I think yeah. if we started to do that, like we, we would hold less resentment and less like less shit, you know? I love that. I, you know, you brought up such a good point. It is a communication thing, right? We're not really taught how to communicate our wants and our needs in an effective way. And we're also not taught to care if other people, <laughs> if other people are respected or don't. Like we, we are the kings and queens of our own lives and our own destinies, right? So ultimately we have the last say in everything that we do. And we should be exercising more and more of that, like in an unapologetic way. Like that was, I think the word of 2019, be unapologetic, <laughs> but it like, it really is about that. It's, and it's, and it's no, people don't need, you don't need to justify yourself to anybody. You know, like obviously there's boundaries to that, right? Within reason, but on an average day to day, we get to control our own choices and decisions that we make and we don't have to sway our decisions because it makes someone else feel you know a certain way or, or whatever the case might be but again it's a slippery slope right because you don't want to go too far to the left on this because people still matter and you still want to you know be compassionate and you still want to be considerate and at the same time you want to be really clear in how you communicate your own boundaries to other people too. Mm, yes, this isn't like go be an ass, like just be an asshole all over the place. But it is <laughs> exactly. like, you know, yeah, like it's just, but you just have to have a level of awareness, like, right? Like self awareness and just like being aware of like the people around you. And, and do you have yeah. something to give to that relationship, that friendship, that whatever? And if not, like yeah. you're gonna have to set a very clear, clear boundary, but that's not always gonna be the case. Like, I'm sure yeah. a lot of the time you do have the energy to give to this like conversation that you don't necessarily want to be in. You know what I mean? Or you yeah, have yeah, 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 the yeah. capacity to like listen to the lesson that's coming at you, you know? So it's um, right. Oh. That back to balance again. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the conundrum, the paradox, <laughs> the paradox rather. Polarity paradoxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I know we're kind of like getting where we could probably go on for hours and hours because we have we done probably that we can we've end talked we'll still talk <laughs> yeah I know for sure so is there anything that you want to leave people with or is there like a power just a really powerful lesson that you've learned maybe in the past month or or that you want to share oh my god I, I think I've shared I've, I've, I've given I've given some dips um <laughs> inside of inside of this podcast but really it's um i know that this sounds really cliche but it really is about you right like and what's interesting about it is like we've gone through history from being like in a collective mindset and there's other parts of the world too that that are very much a collective mindset to an individualistic mindset that's not what i'm talking about i'm not talking about individualism here i'm talking about taking care of your needs taking care of of who you are understanding yourself and building the best relationship that you can possibly build with yourself and that has to come from building a certain level of self-awareness and getting more self-intelligent because the more self-intelligent we are 
the more socially intelligent we become, the more we forgive ourselves, the more capacity we have to forgive others, the more we become more compassionate to our limitations, the better we can be compassionate to other people's limitations. But like really being honest inside of that capacity and, and, and digging deeper to ask, what do I really, really want out of this life? And if what you're living isn't what you want out of life, thank it and let it go and move on to better pastures. It's like all of these things, they're super simple to say, super challenging to practice, but they are the key ingredients to living enriched, passionate lives. So yeah, and I wish everybody out there who might be listening in the best of luck in whatever situation that you're having right now, because shit's been hard this year, man. So I feel ya, but we're <laughs> gonna get through it <laughs> and we're gonna come out better, right? That's beautiful. We're going to end on that. The end. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Hell yeah. You made it to the end. I guess that means you enjoyed the discussion. Thanks for sticking around. It means a lot to me. Um, if you're feeling it, please subscribe, leave us your reviews, and definitely check us out. Check me out on my social media channels. You can find me at Katie Wallace Hux pretty much anywhere.